Things are a little out of ordinary today. Hopefully you'll understand why by the end of this sermon. I'm going to do something else a little bit different here today. I'm going to solicit input from you uh, in my sermon here in just a a moment. We're uh, going to have a time where I'm going to ask you to tell me a couple of things in your minds, and I want you to share. Now, this isn't going to be a free-for-all, okay? This isn't going to be like stand up and talk for 10 minutes, but I want you to participate. Everybody, do you understand when I say I want you to participate? Everybody say yes. Okay, half of you still don't get it. Does everybody understand I want you to participate? Everybody say yes. Okay. This week is one of my favorite holidays. It may even be my absolute favorite holiday. Possibly better than Christmas. Of course, when I was a kid, Christmas was number one, but uh, we're coming up to a great holiday this week. What is this week's holiday? Okay. I would like for you to share with everyone something that you think of just that comes to your mind as classic, wonderful thing uh, traditionally in your family about Thanksgiving Day. Now, I'm only really looking for like one to three word responses here. I don't want, I don't want you to tell a story about something your Aunt Susan used to do every year at Thanksgiving. But if there's something, even one word, if there's just something that sticks out to you that just says Thanksgiving, what would it be? Go ahead and just shout them out. Okay, one at a time. I'm, I'm grateful for participation. What? Okay, fry pot for the turkey. Lucy, I think you said something. Family. Somebody else said something. Sam, say it. Food. I think there was somebody else. Come on, just tell me one, one. Or, I mean, if, even if it's just for me, I would say pumpkin pie. Okay, that's Thanksgiving. Yes. I couldn't hear her. What'd she say? Pumpkin pie. All righty. You and I are uh, we're in complete agreement there. Pecan pie. Although you said it pecan, and I said it pecan. I don't know which way is right. Football. Nap time. Mike. Bringing out the Christmas decorate. I got a letter from a good friend of mine who started, he built two uh, big, long playlists of Christmas music, and he started in mid-October. I told him he's got something wrong with his head. Um... Something else. Yeast rolls. Okay. Anything else? Anything? Okay. Those are all some good things, and I'm glad to hear some of those things that were said. I uh, I like all of those things. One of the one of the traditions in my family has been, although he has since passed away, is that. My, uh, my uncle would go out and sit down in, the, in, in his big easy chair, pull up a newspaper, and fall asleep with it out in front of him like this. Um, and just, we all thought that was hilarious. It may surprise you to learn that playing ball games 
on Thanksgiving is a tradition that goes all the way back to the very first Thanksgiving. Did you know that? So when people say, oh, football, oh, sorry, football, how is that part of uh, Thanksgiving? No, it really was. That was part of the very first Thanksgiving. They played two different kinds of ball games on Thanksgiving on the first one. One of them is kind of like, uh, what is that with the Nets? Uh, lacrosse. The second one, I would have to describe, and they still play it today. I watched some videos of this, and I was my jaw was hanging open. It's a ball game played by Native Americans in the area where the, where the first uh, Thanksgiving took place. It is a ball game that seems to me to be a cross between rugby, soccer, and a street riot. And it has one really, really unique thing that they do while they play this game. The ball is made out of cloth that is just bound up really tight into almost like a hard ball. And now today they use wire to hold it together. I don't know what they used before. But they soak it in flammable liquid and they light it on fire. And they're kicking this and throwing it back and forth. And in the video that I watched, they had to stop at one point to put a guy out because he caught the ball and his shirt burst into flames. And I'm thinking, you know what? Those NFL players are wimps because that's, that's just some crazy ball playing there. But all of these things that go on, we think of them as this is what we think of with Thanksgiving. One of the things which was done at the very first Thanksgiving, which I personally have never observed as a part of our traditional celebration when I've been with my family, was singing. Singing was a big part of the very first Thanksgiving. Both the settlers and the natives sang songs as part of what was going on in their celebration. With the Puritan Christian settlers singing out in thanksgiving and praise to God, the creator of the universe and their savior, for the blessings that he had given them just in bringing them that far, just in the fact that they had survived the trip and had survived their first uh, months or years there. This wasn't a new concept to them. They didn't say, hey, you know what would be great when we're going to sit down and give thanksgiving to God? We should do something weird. Let's sing songs. It wasn't strange to them. It wasn't new to them. These people were well-versed in their scriptures. They would have almost certainly have taken their lead from several places in the Old Testament in which there were feasts and celebrations to thank God for his provision for the nation, the nation of Israel. The, the Israelites did this at their Thanksgiving feasts, which, by the way, they had two uh, harvest feasts that they did. We talked about that last year. Two different feasts that they had for the sole purpose of celebrating the harvest which God had blessed them with. But we aren't taking this week's passage from Leviticus like we did last, last year. 
where those were instituted. Rather, today we're going to uh, look at the record of one of the major times in which they actually went about celebrating what was written down for them to celebrate. And some traditions that were set down at that moment, which were followed for centuries afterwards. This is the setting, okay? The scripture that we're going to go through today, and it's a fairly big scripture, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to try to not fall asleep during my sermon here. The scripture lasts a page and a half on my sermon. Here's the setting. David has conquered what became known as Jerusalem. And he has made it his capital city. And they want to move the Ark of the Covenant to the, cap, the new capital city and set up the tabernacle there. And in the first attempt, they failed miserably. Mostly from everything I can tell, because they didn't read the instructions. They were supposed to move the Ark of the Covenant in a set certain way, and they didn't do that. They didn't follow the instructions. There was chaos. Somebody died. It was a bad day. So they actually went and, you know, my mom said that my dad had a, a saying when, when uh, they were early married, if at first you don't succeed, try reading the instructions. They went and read the instructions like, oh, we're not supposed to put this in, a, in an ox cart and just like hold on to it as we go. We're supposed to use poles and have the Levites pick it up and carry it. Oh, okay. So they finally did it the right way. They succeeded in bringing the ark there. They set up the tabernacle for it. And David, King David, has said, it is time to have a thanksgiving celebration. A time where we thank God for the provisions that he has given us and that we are able to do this thing and we're going to be able to have worship here in an organized way at our new capital city. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And we're going to do verses 1 through 34. And they brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered the burnt offerings and peace offering before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. So they bring it in, and he says a blessing over everyone. And distributed to all Israel, both men and women, to each, a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. So okay, they're about to celebrate their thanksgiving to God, and what do we have so far? Well, we have people gathering together. All right? That's kind of normal for us, too. Blessing being offered. Normal for us, too. Passing out of meat, carbohydrates, and desserts. Sounds just like Thanksgiving to me. Okay, carrying on in the text. He then appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the Ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Again, this is pretty much how we do things here, at least in Christian homes when we're doing thanksgiving. We thank God. We're, we're doing that sort of thing. Going on, it says, Asaph was the chief, and second to him 
where Zechariah, I don't know how to pronounce this one, J-E-L, Mattathiah, Eliab, Eliab, Benaniah, Obed-Edom, and again, J-E-L, which when I was reading this, I was like, hi, I'm Asaph, this is my brother J-E-L, this is my other brother J-E-L. None of you get that reference? Okay. Who were to play harps and lyres. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Benaniah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of, of the Covenant of God. Then on the day David first then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving to be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, to you will I give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever.
This is how they had their time of thanksgiving. And it was set as the way to be done for centuries afterwards. David initiated this as a tradition, and they kept doing it this way for centuries. They came forward to worship God with prayers, with praises, with fellowship, and eating of good food. But they also came to thank God by singing their thanksgiving to him. Now, I don't know about you, but that isn't something that's ever been a part of my family's tradition. We don't do that on Thanksgiving holiday. Christmas, yes, we'll, we'll do some singing at Christmas time, uh, especially if we go caroling or anything like that. But at Thanksgiving, we've never really done that. We pray. Sometimes we'll go around the table and list the things that we're grateful for, although one time I tried to do this when we had like 23 people there, and, and about a quarter of the way through it, people were like, uh, the food's getting cold. We talk, we fellowship, we eat, we relax, we eat, but we don't sing. Frankly, I don't know if it's something I could talk my family into. We're not really good at singing. Not as a whole. Kathy is, but I'm not. My extended family, not so much. The passage we just read through, it's kind of an anomaly. It's an unusual passage. On the one hand, the chronicler, the person who wrote this out, he's recording the events that happened with King David and the people of Israel as they finally brought the Ark of the Covenant to its new home in the brand new capital city. On the other hand, it puts in a song which probably they didn't sing at that moment. It says that they sang, and then it puts in this nice psalm, but it probably wasn't this psalm that they sang at that moment. And the reason people think that is because there's three parts of this psalm that are inserted there, and they're all taken from other psalms that are listed in the book of Psalms. And the last one comes from after they were returning from the exile. Now, it could happen the other way around. This could have come first, and then they copied it then. But what is probably going on here is the chronicler is saying, hey, when they did this, they sang a bunch of songs. Oh, and here's a good example. Sing this. And it puts together three different thoughts out of the book of Psalms. The first section is summed up in that they and we should seek the Lord and his strength. Not just at that moment when they're in worship at the tabernacle with the ark, just gathered together as a body of believers. That in and of itself is great. People, when they gather for worship, should sing praises to God. They needed to do it, and we need to do it. It is imperative that you and I, when we seek God, we praise His name as a body. We aren't just here to fellowship. We aren't just here to hear a message from the Word. We aren't just here to participate in communion. We are here to seek the Lord together as one. And that's why it's really actually important 
that we put aside the distractions that can come up during corporate worship. And trust me, as a grandfather of a whole bunch of kids who is here, and I'm usually trying to keep them in order while Kathy's up here during worship, I understand about distractions during worship. It's, it's half the time I'm, 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 try, I'm distracted trying to keep them from I don't know what. But we need to put aside those distractions and concentrate on seeking after the Lord and His strength. This is called worship when we are seeking after the Lord. It's also, however, important that we, as well as they did, do this when we're separated from one another. Private worship in song, I believe, is integral to our lives with Him. Seek after His strength and His presence when you are alone or just a few in number, like as a family gathered together. This is done by way of prayer. It's done by meditating on His Word. We should all be praying together or as individuals. We should all be praying in our, in our family groups by ourselves. We should all be reading His Word and studying on it as family groups and as individuals. But we also need to be singing. Now, how would you go about doing this when you're not in church? Well, that is completely up to you. That is absolutely up to you. Some people I know sing in the shower. One of my grandkids, I'm not going to share which, but when they go into the shower, I can hear them singing. Singing like crazy in there. I won't say whether it's good or not. They're a kid. I'm not going to cut them down. But they, as soon as they walk in there, and I think they think the walls keep the sound in, and, and Kathy and I just smile at each other and, and just carry on while they're in there singing away. Me, I like to sing in the car. I'll turn on the radio to a Christian music station. I love to sing along in the car. There is less joy when there are other people in the car with me. Trust me. They don't necessarily want to hear me singing in the car, but when I'm alone, it's a good thing. You do what works for you, but don't bypass the joy and the Strength that you will get spiritually and emotionally from the Lord by singing praise to Him even by yourself. I've lost my place. <laughs> In this passage of this psalm, this compilation, it specifically talks about remembering the wondrous works He has done and the judgments that He has given. This is remembering how God brought the Israelites out of Egypt and how He got rid of all of those who were doing evil both to them and among them. I have to wonder if the pilgrims at Plymouth sang along with this as much as it would have directly applied to their situation as well. I mean, they could have taken this exact passage and translated it to their situation, having been brought out of religious persecution, left their homeland, traveled under great duress to a new place, gone, undergone a lot of things, 
and sat down to their thanksgiving. And I have to wonder if they didn't break this out and literally sing this psalm that's listed here. The second section is sung in celebration of God's kingship over all of the earth. This was important to them. And it's becoming more and more so to us. It was important to them because they were literally surrounded by enemies who did not recognize God as master and creator of the universe. He was not recognized as their sovereign. The whole world was against him and against them. The world worshipped false gods who were nothing but dumb idols. We're getting more and more so to be in the same boat where people are against the genuine worship of God as laid out in Scripture. People who fight viciously against the kingship, the sovereignty of God. People who call good evil and evil good. It is as important for our souls to be reminded of the truth as it is for us to praise God for being truth. It is also important that those who hate God and have been turned against Him by the lies of this world, that they hear it and that they know that God is on His throne. People don't want to recognize God as sovereign. And I don't know if you know what that word literally means, sovereign. It's been misused a lot for the last couple hundred years because they talk about, well, the British sovereign. No. The person on the throne in England is not sovereign of that nation. They have laws set up and they have rules that their king or queen or whomever has to follow, and they are underneath the law. Sovereign means they say it, and it is law. And that's where God is. And a lot of times, we and the world don't want to recognize that. We don't want to look at what is in Scripture and say, this is the law, this is what God has said. We don't get to say, you know, um, I think we should vote on this. I don't like this particular one. Let's get rid of it. God is sovereign. And we need to praise Him for that. Because if He was not sovereign, the world would be a mess. Can you imagine if we voted on what's good and evil? If we voted on what's right and wrong? We try to sometimes, but that doesn't decide it. We praise God for His sovereignty. The third and final section of this, we haven't actually gone over yet. Because it's just a couple of verses at the end of this psalm and we haven't looked at it. It is, to, it is a praise to God in advance for the salvation which is found in Him alone. It is praising God for the salvation that He brings. The salvation He has promised. They are singing the salvation from among the pagan nations. But they had just sung 
that we give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. And then we read this in verses 35 and 36. Say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. After this section, after this passage in Scripture that we've gone through today, it says that David set up people to permanently be leading the rest of the the people in thanksgiving by worship and song gathered at the tabernacle. But that at that moment, he was dismissing them to go home. And he, David, went home to his house to bless his own family, continuing in worship and thanksgiving in that smaller setting. Interestingly enough, and this is no coincidence, right after this time where David sets up this time of thanksgiving and praise to God, where he organizes everyone to come together and give praise to God because his love endures forever. God, in the very next passage, makes his covenant with David that his throne would be established forever. That there would always be a descendant of David sitting on the throne, and this is an absolute crystal clear prophecy of the Messiah to come. It was a continuing promise of what God had started back in Genesis, saying that the Messiah, the Savior of mankind, would come. And now he's saying it will come through the line of David. Those who sang at the temple that day, or at the the, uh, tabernacle rather, they knew that there would be a Messiah They'd been looking forward to it for centuries already. That in some way that they didn't quite understand yet, God in the flesh would come to them and their people. They just didn't know what the specifics were. But they knew it was coming. Verse 33 states that very clearly. But they gave us an example that for us, Thanksgiving isn't just a word that means, oh, that Thursday late in in November, Turkey Day. It means a time of praising God for all the wondrous things that He has done, the wondrous blessings that He has bestowed upon us throughout all of our lives. They got to sing of deliverance from Egypt and from surrounding pagans, and for God's enduring love. But they only got to praise about the Messiah in a kind of a shrouded, half-understood, known, not really a known concept. We get to praise God for that ultimate deliverance that He has given to us, and they knew was a promise that was going to happen 
Them, it was a promise unseen. They didn't know how it was come, how it was to come. For us, it is a promise fulfilled. We have the, the, the wonderful position of looking back through history and seeing what they only hoped for. But while they just hoped for it, they thanked God that it was going to come. They knew it was coming. We can look back and say Jesus Christ has already come. He has already made the sacrifice for us that saves our souls. My class this morning, I was talking with the kids and we were going through Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10 like the adult class was, but I do it in a kid's version for them to more uh, adequately grasp. And we've got that, the big bag dumpster out there that we had thrown away a whole lot of junk from. And I said, when God saves us, it's like we're one of the items in the dumpster. We are scheduled for destruction. And he has reached down and pulled us out of that by his grace and his mercy. Nothing we did to brag about. He gave us mercy. All we needed to do was respond. All we needed to do was accept the mercy that he gives to us. We have that to praise God for. We have accepted him as our Lord and Savior. We have been immersed with Him in Christian baptism, had the, the Holy Spirit instilled within us, and we know that when we die, we can spend eternity with Him in heaven. That is something to praise God for. Our worship service is completely out of order because I wanted the song service at the end. Richard, if you want to go tell the kids uh, out there that we're ready. We're going to have the kids come back in here. The praise team is going to come forward. And we are going to spend a time of praising God. Now, here's what I don't want to see or hear, okay? I don't care how good you sing. I want to hear you sing with joy. I don't, want, I don't know what songs we're singing, but I don't want praise God from whom all blessings flow. I want to hear people who have the joy of God in their hearts for the salvation that He has already granted you. Amen? Okay, I think we're going to stand at this point. Yes? Hey, that's up to you. <laughs> okay, 